Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, July 28th. Earlier this week, it was announced former President Donald Trump would face yet another indictment related to the January 6th insurrection. We get the latest on this and all the other headlines making news south of the border with Jackson Prosco, Global News Washington Bureau Chief. Greta Gerwig, the director of the Barbie movie, has been very open about her struggles living with ADHD. We discuss the prevalence of ADHD in Canada and the resources available for those living with it with Heidi Bernhardt from the Centre for ADHD Awareness. And finally, it's full throttle fun for the whole family. Monster Jam is roaring back into Calgary next month. We catch up with Ashley Sanford, who drives the Megalodon truck on the Monster Jam circuit to learn more about the event and how she became a pro driver. Could it be that former President Trump is facing another indictment relating to the January 6th insurrection? Join us to discuss this and the latest news south of the border is Jackson Prosco, Global News Washington Bureau Chief. Good morning to you, Jackson. Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. And it just it kind of seems like the hits keep on coming for the former president. And uh, we're finding out now that uh, maybe new charges are coming down the line. And when I say maybe, uh, they are. That's right. Uh, Yesterday, a so-called superseding indictment was filed in the Florida document case against the former president, uh, charging him with further counts of obstruction and willful retention of classified documents. It also added another person to the charges. This is the property manager at the Mar-a-Lago estate. And essentially what we're talking about here is an allegation that Trump ordered his staff to delete security camera footage that would have shown efforts to relocate the documents that the FBI had asked to be returned. Uh, So this is pretty damning stuff. Uh, And it certainly suggests that the former president was fully aware of what he was trying to do, that this was no misunderstanding about classified documents. At least that's the allegation coming from special counsel Jack Smith. Jackson, with all of these indictments, with all of this trouble, Donald Trump still remains the front runner in the Republican Party to be the next Republican to lead in, you know, the hunt to be president again. Is there anything that can stop that? Or is he's, you know, even if he's indicted, does, does that stop him running? You know, I think the only thing at this point would be a determination either by his supporters or by the party that he is somehow too damaged to continue along with his candidacy. But I don't see that happening at this point. And legally, there really is nothing that could stop Trump from campaigning while under indictment, uh, being president even after he's being convicted. Uh, Nothing to stop him at this point. So really, it would have to be voters deciding that, hey, this guy has too much baggage. He's facing, what, five different lawsuits now. But again, there's no sign of that happening. All right, uh, switching gears in a big way. Out of this world news, this week Congress held a hearing into UFOs. Um, It seems like sporadically we have these different inquiries and, and, uh, you know, talking about the UFO subject. Uh, But this one here, an actual uh, hearing. Tell us about it. Yeah, so a few things have been going on here. One is that in sort of the last couple of years, the number of sightings of what they call uh, unidentified anomalous phenomena, that's the military jargon for UFOs, The number of those sightings has uh, drastically increased, and there have been calls for more hearings about them. You've probably seen the videos out there of what, you know, fighter pilots have seen with these sort of orbs and that floating through the sky. And even though, you know, 90 plus percent of these things have been explained away as things like weather balloons or drones, it's the unknown 10 percent that has captured a lot of attention. So the hearings focused on that. You've also had this whistleblower who's a former uh, Army intelligence officer come forward, and he has claimed, although he hasn't provided any evidence, 
But there has been a decades-long program to retrieve and recover UAPs and then reverse engineer them. And his claim is that this is all technology that is non-human, in his words. He even went so far as to claim that some people in the program have recovered uh, biological remains that are non-human. But again, we need to point out a couple things here. First of all, he offered no definitive proof uh, when he was asked for specifics in the hearing of, well, what department should we be looking at? What agency should we be looking at? He refused to answer those questions and said he could only answer those behind closed doors. Uh, and uh, at the end of the day, everything he sort of provided as evidence is really hearsay. It's things he says he was told. So I think the skeptics and the diehards are both going to walk away just as satisfied here because nobody got any firm answers. Very bizarre. Just kind of adds to the allure of the UFO myth. <laughs> we'll continue to be like that forever, I'm sure. Um, let's go back to uh, politics a little bit with some of the individuals that we've seen uh, on the Hill. Mitch McConnell certainly made headlines this week just a couple of days ago. It was very strange. He seems to just kind of freeze in the midst of an announcement that he was making. Do we know anything about his health at this point? Yeah. My goodness, that was awful to watch. Uh, we don't, you know, he's being pretty coy and cagey about whether there is some sort of underlying health condition there. Uh, what we do know, though, is that he has suffered a number of falls that have not really been reported. He was uh, uh, off work for several months after falling and suffering a concussion at a hotel in Washington. And certainly lots of questions about why he just stood there and froze for a good 20 seconds. Uh, there have been instances where he's been having a hard time hearing people. Uh, and, of course, he's not the only uh, elderly member of Congress. He's 80 years old, uh, facing questions about their health. You've got Senator Dianne Feinstein as well, who just this week in a committee hearing uh, essentially had to be instructed by her own staff as to how to vote on something. All she had to do was say, I or nay. And uh, that required outside help. And so I think there is sort of a broader conversation happening about, you know, the health of elected officials, the longevity of elected officials. And, of course, you can't but help add both Joe Biden and Donald Trump into that conversation because they are the two oldest presidents mm -hmm. and presidential candidates in recent history as well. Another name. This one, uh, you know, interesting in the sense that it's uh, been a conversation for quite some time and continues to be. Hunter Biden, son of President Biden, expected to plead guilty to tax-related misdemeanors. How serious is this, and will it affect the president? You know, I think, I think what's interesting about it is that it seemed like, you know, he had reached this plea deal here to uh, essentially plead guilty to these tax charges, charges that are often not prosecuted because they're considered relatively minor. Uh, and then that plea deal fell apart at the last second because it seemed to be offering too much blanket immunity to him. And you get the sense that other crimes are still being investigated or potential crimes. And the judge kind of threw out the plea deal and basically said, look, you can't have an immunity agreement that's that broad and sweeping. And so they rehashed the deal and narrowed it down to a very specific time frame and these specific crimes. So I think the story is far from over. Uh, it is certainly, you know, a political liability for President Biden in the sense that he has a troubled family member, but no one has actually been able to establish any link to any direct wrongdoing by the president himself. And that continues to be sort of the missing piece in all of this. That being said, Republicans are talking about launching perhaps an impeachment inquiry against the president to get to the bottom of this, despite being able to provide any evidence that Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings were in any way connected to the president, Joe Biden. Uh, it seems as though Hunter Biden was certainly trying to capitalize off the family name. Uh, but, you know, if that is a crime, that's something that uh, other presidential children would likely be investigated for as well. Never a dull moment in American politics, that's for sure. Thank you so much. Any big plans for the weekend? 
You know what? We are under an extreme heat alert in D.C. It is uh, feeling like 110 degrees Fahrenheit. That's what, 43, 44 Celsius? So air conditioning factors large into my plan. And okay. it's not, I, I was shocked to hear that it's uh, D.C. Uh, you know, we'd heard it was further to the uh, west. So it, not the only section of D.C., a lot of heat throughout the rest of the nation? Yeah, and uh, right up the east coast this weekend. Oh. It's Philly, New York, all that. So Incredible. Yeah. Stay cool, Jackson. Stay cool. <laughs> Have a great weekend. <laughs> Thanks, you too. That is uh, Jackson Prosco, of course, uh, Global News Washington Bureau Chief. Barbie movie director Greta Gerwig has opened up about the challenges of living with ADHD. So how can we best support those people in our lives living with ADHD? Joining us to discuss is Heidi Bernhardt, founder of Center for ADHD Awareness Canada. Good morning to you, Heidi. Good morning. Well, before we get into, you know, the prevalence of it and, you know, the importance of talking about ADHD and resources, let's talk about it uh, in general terms. What is it exactly? So ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder. Um, It uh, has three core symptoms, primarily attention dysregulation. And for some people with ADHD, they also have hyperactivity and impulsivity. And it's highly heritable, uh, runs in families, so kids are mostly born with it. Uh, but it's also a neurodevelopmental disorder that lasts, uh, in most cases, uh, the lifespan. Uh, Heidi, do you think we're, it's more prevalent or are we just better now at recognizing it? Well, uh, interesting that you ask that because we have some new uh, data, there's been some research done in Ontario because we were very, very scarce on any kind of Canadian uh, statistics on this. So um, we used to diagnose close to two and a half or three times as many boys as girls. And this data looked at prevalence rates from 2014 to 2021. And what we see is, yes, it's slightly growing, but what's really interesting is the diagnosis is growing more in girls. And that's very, very important because we know that we were missing diagnosing the girls in childhood and only catching most of them in later adolescence or adulthood. And very often when things got scary with anxiety, depression, uh, suicide attempts, that type of thing. So we are actually happy <laughs> about that. So we're looking now at about 5.25% of girls and 9.5% uh, of boys as the prevalent rates. But interestingly enough, we are now diagnosing more girls per year. So, or sorry, incident rates. So incident rates is the amount of kids we diagnose every year prevalent rates is the percentage of the population that has adhd so it's interesting i'm just wondering you know you mentioned that this there was misdiagnosis kind of overlooked is there a reason was was there a different process why was it uh, you know maybe handled differently or maybe not interpreted correctly when it comes to females yeah a few different reasons Um, More often, girls have what we call the primarily inattentive presentation with ADHD. That's the ADHD without the hyperactivity and impulsivity. And as you can imagine, it's those two symptoms 
that draws people's attention to the behavioral aspect of ADHD. So boys more primarily are, you know, hyperactive and impulsive, not exclusively, but that's what makes them more disruptive in a household or a classroom. But it is the inattention or the attention dysregulation that actually causes most of the impairment in academics, in the workplace, and actually lifelong. Yeah, so you notice it more in boys because it's more obvious, right? Uh, so from what I understand, exactly. the actual testing to determine if you do have ADHD, et cetera, is expensive and it's tough to get for kids. Why so? Actually, um, it's not or it shouldn't be. So ADHD uh, can be assessed and diagnosed by developmental pediatricians or child and adolescent uh, psychiatrists Uh, and family doctors who are specifically trained in ADHD. That should all be covered by provincial medical coverage. Yes, because of long wait lines, people do also get it assessed by psychologists who are not covered by provincial plans. So it's not necessarily expensive, but can be if you don't want to have a year wait. Mm Mm-hmm. For for parents out there, or anybody living in a family, or you know, with people close by, are there signs and symptoms people can look out for uh, to 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 witness ADHD? Otherwise, we might not recognize it. What what sorts of things should we be looking at? Yeah, and the the attention dysregulation it uh, comes across as inattention, being distracted easily, not staying focused. But it can also have the flip side of overfocusing, where you can see these kids being hyper focused into a computer game, for instance, because it's very stimulating for hours and hours. So it's a fallacy that. Kids with ADHD can't pay attention. They can overfocus and can't break their focus by something that their brain finds very, very stimulating. And of course, then there's the hyperactivity and impulsivity. And a lot of people with ADHD also have issues with what we call executive functioning, time management, um, organizational skills, what we call working memory, um, a whole host of things, social skills that come with uh, executive functioning impairment. So these kids will uh, trip up a lot at school because of that. They're not. It's not that they're not bright and they can't learn. ADHD doesn't have anything with IQ, but it's these other impairments that um, cause issues at school, not getting work done, not staying focused, all of those things. So what, Heidi, can we do? Okay, obviously you want your child to be diagnosed, but there's a long wait. And I, this is what I've heard from a lot of people to try and get a diagnosis. And it can be very difficult to get to that point. So in the meantime, our kids are going to go back to school in September. If we think we've got a child who perhaps fits in this ADHD realm, what do we do to try and help them? That that mis- disorganization is is really tough. So what do we do about it? Yeah, in the meantime, go to the CADAC website. Uh, just Google C-A-D-D-A-C, Center for ADHD Awareness Canada. It's a very, very robust website, all kinds of information, 
on parenting, on, you know, how to support these kids at school, all kinds of strategies to put in place. So we always say the first step in treatment should always, always be what we call psychoeducation, which is educating the parents and those around the child with ADHD about what ADHD is and isn't, why they're seeing certain types of behaviors in these kids or impairments in these kids and what to do about it. And those living in Calgary actually have a very, very uh, unique uh, opportunity this fall because the CADAC conference is going to be in Calgary on October 28th and 29th this year. Uh, two full days of experts on ADHD, all types of things parents can put in place for their kids. A great place to learn about ADHD. Heidi, real quick, we're out of time, but a yes or no, and I know it's probably far more involved than that, but we have a, a texter asking, do you think our phones and our lifestyles are worsening ADHD? Uh it's not worsening ADHD. Again, ADHD, we're born in, it's impairment. But of course, if you're going to have an issue with distraction, the more distracting things you put in place, the more distraction you're going to have. Gotcha. Good. Thank you. Thank you so much for clarifying so much. I know we use the term ADHD, but maybe don't have a full grasp of it and the breadth of it in our, in our country. Thank you so much, Heidi. We appreciate your time. Oh, thank you very much for your interest. Thank you. That's Heidi Bernhardt, founder of the Center for ADHD Awareness Canada. You can find out more about uh, what she does at caddac.ca. Throttle family fun is storming GMC Stadium August 19th and 20th. Monster Jam is back and we have the pleasure of chatting with one of the drivers who will be here performing for us. World-class drivers including Ashley Sanford will be on the dirt ready to rock for us. Hi Ashley, thanks for joining us. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to head out there and get going. Tell us about your life being one of the drivers at Monster Jam. It's got to be a, a a different world for a woman, let's just say, I'm suspecting. <laughs> no, absolutely. It is a dream come true. It truly is. I come from a motorsports background, but I was a fan. I am the first generation in my family to go professional in any aspect of the motorsports world. So I'm having a total blast, but also, yes, I am a female in a male-dominated world, and I've been doing this for a while, but it totally, totally is so incredible with Monster Jam because it's so inclusive. It's the most diverse motorsport there is out there, and actually, this weekend coming up, you're going to see three female drivers, three female competitors out of eight. It's so awesome to see that the ladies are taking over and be a part of this movement. And I just hope it inspires all the other little girls out there to chase their dreams because it's all possible. All possible, but you got to know what you're doing, Ashley. I know that we we love to <laughs> we love to watch these things, and I think we think it looks like a blast. It could be incredibly dangerous. I want to ask you about your training. You decide, and you, you say it was in the family, and you're a huge fan. What sort of training do you have to go through to become a Monster Jam driver? Absolutely, yeah. No, hey, you got to have a dream. You got to believe in yourself, but you got to put in the work as well. That's so correct. And I did just that. So I, my background's actually drag racing, and so totally different from driving Monster Jam trucks. 
but I've always been fearless when it comes to getting behind the wheel. And I've reached out to Monster Jam years ago, just knowing I wanted to get behind the wheel. And they have a program that, you know, after years of going back and forth, COVID happening, things didn't work out. They called me back and I got to go through their Monster Jam University. And it is unlike anything else, the coolest university I think I'll ever get to go to. That's <laughs> but, um, cool. Yeah, you get to, you, right? You get to go out, you get the training, you get the know-how, get to learn about the trucks, and you get to learn from one of the very best, Tom Mentz, Max D. And so that's really what jump-started my training for myself. And after that, wasn't even sure, actually, if I had a gig or not. They, you know, get you through training, just, you know, see where you're at, and was able to get the call that said, Hello, Ashley, would you like to drive Megalodon? And that was the best day of my life. So here I am now, and it's been so awesome because this has been my rookie year, actually. I just started this year. So it's been a whirlwind, but it's been a dream come true. That is super cool. From drag racing to Monster Jam University to being behind the wheel of Megalodon. Tell us what it's like when you're down in the dirt. What are some of the tricks and things that we'll be seeing the drivers, you and all the other drivers, doing when we're front and center at the event? Yeah, if you haven't been to a Monster Jam event in the last few years, I'm telling you, you're not going to want to miss it because these 12,000-pound trucks are doing these insane aerial maneuvers now. I'm, again, rookie. I'm just learning, but I have even been getting after it, doing what we call stoppies, where we're balancing these trucks on their two front tires and moving them up and around the dirt, getting massive air. I mean, I'm saying things like these are things you just have to see to believe, Mm -hmm. (laughs) truly. And it is a spectacle, so you don't want to miss it. Thanks so much. Uh, Good luck and be safe out there, Ashley. We'll be there checking it out at GMC Stadium. Thank you very much, guys. See you there. Thank you. That is pro Monster Jam driver Ashley Sanford.